This morning's scripture lesson is from the prophet Isaiah, reading from the 40th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Listen now for the word of God. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the, Lord, from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead them home. He will gently lead mother's sheep. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning's scripture lesson from Isaiah comes at a pivotal moment in Israel's history, in biblical history. It's a key turning point. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to his people, to the Israelites, in a time of great distress. Israel had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire, and part of the result of that was that the Babylonians had carried a good deal of the population, most of the leaders of the people, back to Babylon there to be live out the rest of their lives as their captives, as, as their slaves. It was a time of great turmoil and tragedy for them personally and as a people, as you can easily imagine, living in a, an oppressive situation in a world that no longer made sense to them in the way that it had until then. They had understood and had believed up to that point that they were God's special people and that they we're now in a situation that they couldn't comprehend. They couldn't understand how they had suffered such a humiliating and devastating loss to their enemies. Now, some Israelites do like we all do in difficult situations. They just tried to put the past behind them and make the best of the situations in which they found themselves, leaving their old life, their old identity behind them, and just trying to make the best of this new situation. But for many others... Uh, the Babylonian exile, a period of some 70 years, became a time of trying to learn as a people how to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. It wasn't an easy task, trying to make sense of this still developing identity, this difficult situation. Their relationship with God was now feeling differently to them than it had before. It was a hard situation to try to write their minds and their hearts with one another and with God. Didn't change the difficulty 
the oppressive situation in which they faced themselves, but they were trying to help one another remain confident that their God had not abandoned them and that he would help shape them as a people of faith uh, anew, gently lead them like a shepherd once again. Now, this morning's lesson from the 40th chapter is, is a prime example of that. As was mentioned uh, earlier in the service, this is a uh, very familiar refrain to people who are familiar with music and Handel's work, the Messiah. This is the key, uh, vital beginning of that oratorio. Take heart, Isaiah tells his people in this section in, in the 40th chapter. God is coming to redeem you. You have to trust in God. God is going to come and take us back. He's going to gently lead us, but we have to prepare now for his coming. We have to begin to believe that today he is, he is as good as here already, although the realities around us seem, seem far different from that. We have to begin today and not wait till the day he actually arrives. Now, that can be a hard word to hold on to, to trust when everything around you is, is a sign of oppression and that you're in a strange place and asked to live a very difficult life. It's an invitation to dismay at every turn around you. How can you take in these challenging words of trust and hope? Because Isaiah's words are aimed at a people struggling with despair, it means that Isaiah therefore speaks an important word to any people of any time, any situation, who are also struggling with despair, surrounded as we may be by any number of forces that we feel are impinging upon us in our lives today. Just as the Israelites were trying to make sense of their shattered dreams of Israel's glory, people who have undergone different kinds of challenges in their own life can see themselves in this. Perhaps you've lost someone very dear to you. Perhaps you've received a diagnosis or an illness of some kind that is unexpected. Maybe you've lost a job that has not yet returned. The word Isaiah speaks to all of us, to any of us in such a situation, is God is coming. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. He will not leave you in your isolation. And so you have to begin now, as you are, as things are devastated, and as afraid, perhaps angry as you are, you have to prepare for his arrival. Now the image that Isaiah uses in this passage of building up a highway in the desert comes as a result of the oppression that they experienced at the hand of the Babylonians. It was sometimes the case that they were forced out into the desert by the Babylonians to begin to build up in the desert a path, a virtual highway, that would lead into the city upon which Babylonian armies would be received by jubilant crowds coming back from, from battle. It was, a, as you can imagine, a very unpleasant and difficult task to build up this, this road in, in the desert. But Isaiah takes that very difficult image and he transforms it into a very different kind of image. You can imagine how difficult it was for them to be sent out into the desert. Not only was it hard work, but it reinforced their humiliation at the hands of the Babylonians, welcoming back that same army that had brought devastation into their lives. They were told, you know, go out into that desert reaches, in, into the desert reaches and build up a highway and welcome back those very oppressors 
that brought you to where you are today. So Isaiah takes this image of going out into the wilderness, but it's a different kind of wilderness Isaiah has in mind, just as they had to built up that highway in the actual wilderness places. Israelites were being instructed by Isaiah to go out into the wilderness of their despair, of their isolation, their devastation, and to build up that highway upon which God was drawing very near. Even today, God is on his way. Now, that, the comforting word on the, on the face of it, but it can sometimes be a difficult charge, challenge for us to hear when we're in difficult times in our lives. When you're overcome with grief or despair, when your life makes no sense to you, you want nothing more sometimes than to curl up into a ball and go away and be left alone. The last thing you want to hear is that there's some important work that you need to take care of uh, today, and you can't put it off. When you've had your insides hollowed out by one kind of horror or another, some kind of betrayal or shattered dream, all we really want to tell people is just go away. Leave us alone. I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to hear any of your platitudes. I can't take it another day. I don't want to do what I'm doing another moment. Please leave me alone. But we can't just wait it out. Wilderness isn't going to go away because we've closed our eyes and are hiding in our rooms. The wilderness is the place we have to work our way through, trusting that God is going to meet us in that very place. That's the wilderness work that is required of each of us in the most difficult times of our lives. Isaiah called the people to get out into the wilderness and to do the wilderness work that they needed to do. Just as the gospel writers many centuries after this told about John the baptizer, a man standing out in the wilderness, calling people to get ready to do their wilderness work for the coming Messiah. And in both instances, the wilderness is that place where we are required to go at times in our lives, sometimes many times in our lives, when we don't want to go there at all. It would be nice if we could live a life that avoids the wilderness at every moment, but I don't know anyone whose life is free of times of wilderness and of hurting. Because the wilderness is not a fun place to be. Most of us know from personal experiences, just how devastating the wilderness places in our lives can be. But we also know, if we've been there any time at all, that there are things we learn in the wilderness we don't learn any other way. Wilderness is not simply a place of wasted hopes and dreams and despair, dead ends and disappointment. It can be that, but if we allow it, if we do the necessary wilderness work, it becomes then a place eventually, of ripening, of opening anew, a place where our faith grows and matures into a new thing, a thing of power and presence in our lives. That doesn't mean that we idealize the wilderness, make it a great place. The wilderness is a place to avoid if we all can, but since we, we cannot always avoid the wilderness. Events in our lives can sometimes take on a life all of their own and Apart from any choices that we've made or 
any opportunity we feel like we've had to, to turn things around, we find ourselves in a place that is utterly foreign and unfamiliar and unpleasant, a place we don't want to be, but the place where we, by the grace of God, can begin to sort some things out and see things in a new way. None of us wants to get sent out into the wilderness, but those times do come, maybe sometimes several times in our lives. Our lives can, for many different reasons, get turned on their head, and then we will again have to go back out into the wilderness, trusting that, thank goodness, thank God, we don't always have to do all that work in the wilderness on our own. There are others out in their wilderness often with us, people who have more familiarity and strength in the wilderness that we can learn from, and we can lean upon them, and they can lean upon us. We can learn together, be grateful together that we are not totally alone in that wilderness place. And that is a good description of our wilderness time together in this season, in our Advent journey, learning together as persons and as a people of faith, once again, how in the wilderness to wait, how to prepare, how to trust that God is drawing near, God is on his way, because he is. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.